Hello, welcome to the latest episode of On Tobal Now. My name is Andrew Crook, your host. I'm delighted to discuss today ways that we can find reliable income in what is clearly a new world and new economic order. So to base this conversation on, we will focus on a survey that's been done by Von Tobel, as well as Institutional Investor, looking at over 300 asset-earning institutions across the world, as well as interviews with investment decision makers at pension funds and insurers across the globe as well. So to shed some light on the dynamics around us and the research and what this potentially means for investors, we've got two speakers today. Simon Lufong, Head of Fixed Income Boutique of Vontobel Asset Management, and our guest speaker, Sam Knox, Managing Director of the Custom Research Lab at Institutional Investor. So let's get started. Simon, as mentioned, investors are unsettled, I guess, in terms of how they're looking at what's happening in the world and what it means for opportunities. Against this backdrop, I'm keen to understand what the driver of the research has been and more broadly from a macro and markets perspective, what do you see as some of the biggest concerns and considerations confronting investors as they look to manage portfolios and make their allocation decisions? I proposed this research initially because I wanted to understand what investors were thinking about in fixed income when it particularly came to EM, that's Emerging Market Asset Allocation. When I first started in industry in 1991, EM had gone from being this sort of, what well, was this sort of niche wild west, and it was venturing into becoming a mainstream asset class. But I've always thought that total allocations to EM are too low given the return benefits. So that's how it all started. What was really interesting, though, is that we conducted uh, half of the interviews before the Russia invasion of Ukraine, and then half after. And it gave us a unique opportunity to see how this impacted investors' answers. Now, when it comes to challenges that investors face at the moment, I would sort of split them very briefly between short and long term. In the short term, it's all about inflation and the central banks. Of course, we can see how much is priced in and we can say that should be enough or there needs to be more and then we can make decisions on bonds. But on top of this, we've got the growth aspect and how the central banks will react to this tightening if growth starts to slow. And maybe this is the segue to the longer term challenges that investors face. And this is whether or not the geopolitical landscape has changed. And will we see uh, that lovely term I like, globalization? Now, these factors will potentially have a large impact on asset class allocation and how portfolios are managed. Sam, turning to you, with these issues and others in mind, what do you see as some of the key takeaways from the research that reflect the type of investor sentiment that you think is worth highlighting? They're eager to increase the yield on their fixed income portfolios. Okay. In total, 54% of respondents said increasing the yield on fixed income holdings is a top priority. Following that, they also say that they're eager to do so with assets that are aligned with their BSG mandates. But digging a bit deeper into these findings, are there any particular factors or key drivers that the research highlighted in terms of the search for yield by investors? What specifically are they looking for? Well, investors say that they're especially eager to capture higher yields on their fixed income holdings. This is due in part because Firms such as insurance companies 
and pensions are looking for predictable, linear sources of cash to meet their near-term commitments and also to invest a subset of their fixed income holdings in a higher yield asset class. They're looking for fixed income and emerging markets fixed income assets in particular to provide diversification benefits as well. That is diversification versus their holdings in developed markets. And they want to do so with great liquidity. That is to get into and out of a bond position quickly, sometimes for market reasons, sometimes simply to have cash on hand for use in other applications. One of the quotes from the interviews done as part of the research, it was a portfolio manager at an Australian pension fund, said that geopolitical matters, and that the quote was referring to what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, are the big risks whenever you talk about emerging markets. Political risk is one of the biggest long-term risks that we need to consider. So from your point of view, Simon, how would these views potentially have differed pre-invasion and today? Prior to the invasion, I think 72% of the respondents were optimistic about growth, inflation and bond yield premiums, certainly in European emerging markets. And that fell to only 55% post the invasion. So I think that sort of says it all. I mean, interestingly, and it's very positive that still 64% of the investors still plan to increase their allocation, as Sam had mentioned. But I think that it's made the world a lot more complicated. But remember that EM is a risk premium asset class. It pays you a spread over developed government bonds, and in this particular case, US treasuries. And therefore, for me as an investor in the asset class for a very long time, I love it when risk premium increases because it means that the future returns, the future income will be higher for you. Because there's one thing that's certain in emerging markets is that the perceived risks are always higher than the actual risks. And that's the bit that you really want to try and extract over time. Simon, let me ask this. To what extent do you see among the investors that you're speaking to from day to day, right? To what extent do you see them reflecting this notion of changing world order due to you know, the current geopolitical climate, right? We're talking here about certainly Russia's invasion of Ukraine, but also the subtle, slight rollback of globalization and the integration of the global economy. What are you hearing from the people you talk to from day to day about how this is affecting their decision-making about emerging markets fixed income? I would say at the, at the moment that apart from the portfolio allocations changing, perhaps because of the sanctions on Russia and Belarus, actually investors haven't yet changed their allocations to any other countries. So it's been very specific at the moment. But of course, politics speaks very big. And that is a both, a, well, I would say a challenge, a risk, a potential for investors to invest with a different lens as we go forward. It's not a given, but I think it's a risk. Clearly from the research, emerging markets are appealing to a large number of institutions. Again, just a quick couple of quotes from the interviews done as part of the research. A, a PM at a Dutch pension fund said, we have recently implemented a strategic allocation to EM corporate credit in hard currency, which is relatively large and which our yield targets for are about four and a half percent. 
another PM, this time at an Australian pension, said that while interest rate increases from the US Fed will push yields up on developed market government bonds, we still think there are better yield opportunities in emerging market bonds. But Sam, what more does the survey show about why fixed income investors are looking so clearly towards emerging markets? Investors increasingly look to emerging markets fixed income with a sense of opportunity, perhaps somewhat limited, but an opportunity nonetheless. Emerging markets fixed income assets are often uncorrelated with the developed market fixed income and equities that typically make up most of many investors' portfolios. Okay, so there's this diversification benefit that flows out of emerging markets fixed income holdings. And then because emerging markets fixed income is so diverse, that is, you know, across many regions, many countries, you know, there's sovereign debt in local currency, in hard currency, you know, not to mention corporate bonds of investment grade and high yield. These markets are at times very inefficient. That is, they often have pricing errors, imperfect information, illiquidity, and volatility problems, which under the right circumstances, offer investors and their managers new and unique opportunities to generate alpha. You know, of course, the question is, how do you get such an advantage? Simon, what can you tell us about what you've heard from clients about the sectors and the geographies that are most appealing to emerging fixed market income investors? I think one of the best ways to always gauge the temperature of a market is actually to look at its currency. And here I'll just give you an example of the Polish Slotty, which in the first three weeks of the invasion, it sold off 12%. But then actually, it's now just uh, actually it's less than 5% weaker. There was a really big sell-off, and European emerging markets was totally, so let's stay away from that. But actually, there provides the opportunity. I think there are still clients who feel sensitive to be geographically be near to the war. So I think that, you know, if we think about the indices with Russia falling out, though, there'll be beneficiaries. So Russia is coming out of the index. So Latin America obviously stands out, particularly the big ones, Mexico and Brazil will be gainers there, but also South Africa, also China, and the eventual inclusion of India could also be very interesting for investors. In terms of perhaps, you know, in the short term ways to make money, there are various different ways. You can either look at the commodity producers and exporters. I mean, just to name one, somewhere like Angola, this can be a beneficiary to the new world that we that we face. And then there's countries that will benefit from tourism, actually. So, you know, despite the conflict going on post-COVID, there are countries which are picking up with tourism. And if they have negligible tourists from the Ukraine and Russia area, they could also benefit. And one that springs to mind is the Bahamas. Sam, another aspect of the survey findings I think is important to highlight are potential risks or concerns that investors have about emerging market fixed income. And clearly, we've talked about geopolitics. Were there any others that the research highlighted? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Investors indicated that they're concerned about, ironically, many of the same things that make emerging markets fixed income appealing. Okay, they are concerned about default risk and debt loads. They're concerned about market volatility and illiquidity, and consistently concerned about the quality of information for investment decision making. 
that's available on emerging market fixed income assets. So Simon, that's, I guess, where you come in. With these factors in mind, how do you differentiate and create that attractive strategy that gives investors what they want? One of the main aspects I think that investors should be aware of is what has been driving the returns. And more than 60% of the returns or the negative returns that have come out this year have come just from the underlying treasury component, i.e. because yields have been heading higher as the market has been prepared for interest rate increases. Spreads widened out significantly for a very short period. It's about three weeks after the invasion, but then have settled back. And so I think that when you're looking at emerging market fixed income, you need to differentiate between if you want to protect yourself from the duration aspect, and then maybe you look at emerging market corporates, which tend to have a shorter duration, or if you think there's enough priced in actually to, especially the US Treasury curve, then you might look at sovereign emerging market bonds because they have a longer duration. Then probably just two other things I'd also focus on is that emerging markets is massively linked to the US dollar. Commodities are priced in dollars, of course, at the moment, and a stronger dollar or a weaker dollar has implications for emerging markets. As you all know, the dollar has been stronger recently, confounding some forecasters, but yet we have strong commodity prices, which is something which you know, probably can't coexist because they're moving in the opposite direction to each other. So I think that, that that's going to be another factor. So if you're looking to invest in emerging market local currency, then you have to have a view on where the dollar is going. The same for local rates. Uh, so rates which you're buying domestic bonds in a country. The good news is that they had been moving prior to the developed central banks on, on rates. So, so actually from the middle of last year, a lot of EM central banks had already started their hiking cycles, which means that a lot already got priced in. So I think that moving between decisions to say, do you want to be exposed to sovereign bonds with longer duration, EM courts with shorter duration, or local currency with domestic bonds and the dollar become important, or maybe, and that's what we have seen a lot of investors talk about is actually going to a blend solution. So a decision that actually incorporates all three of those asset classes into one and chooses the best place to be in, relying on obviously the skills of differentiation to understand where you should be long and where you should be underweight. Sam, what conclusions would you draw from the survey in terms of the types of strategy or investment approach that seems to make sense and is in favor among investors when they're looking to put into practice their view of the emerging market fixed income universe? More than three out of four investors endorse an active strategy when investing in emerging markets fixed income. 35% call for a high conviction strategy in which a basket of assets, a fairly small, very focused collection of assets is the preferred choice, right? 44% prefer a broadly diversified active strategy. Simon, from your point of view, what do you think the future for emerging market fixed income looks like, given what the research has showed, and therefore what actions potentially could or should investors take now to generate resilient income for their portfolios going forward? 
we always have risks in emerging markets. For me, timing, if you go with an active manager or an active asset allocation decision, is crucial. I think that the market has cheapened up a lot here. I think there's a lot priced into rate hikes in the US, which remember is a a big driver of EM returns and has been the biggest detractor of returns this year. Over the long run, what you want to do is that you want to keep adding to EM when you have these opportunities. So for me, I think that right now, it's one of those historical times again, where there's been a strong sell-off, people are scared of the market, that provides a buy-in opportunity. I think the second aspect is the one on, on ESG. And I think that what you've seen is that people look at emerging market countries and see there's a lot of work to do, and it needs a lot of funding, by the way, but that's where you can make a really big difference. Thanks so much to both of you. That brings us to the end of this session. Really appreciate your thoughts and your insights. So thanks, gentlemen, for, for sharing those with us today. To the you in the audience, and um, we appreciate your time. As mentioned, the report is available on the Vontobel website to look at the findings in more detail. And more broadly, feel free to follow us on LinkedIn for further podcasts going forward. But for now, we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. This recording is for information purposes only, and nothing contained in this recording should constitute a solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any investment instruments, to affect any transactions, or to conclude any legal act of any kind whatsoever, except as permitted under applicable copyright laws. None of this information may be reproduced, adapted, uploaded to a third party, linked to, framed, performed in public, distributed, or transmitted in any form by any process without the specific written consent of Vontabel. To the maximum extent permitted by law, Vontabel will not be liable in any way for any loss or damage suffered by you through the use or access to this information, or Vontabel's failure to provide this information. Our liability for negligence, breach of contract, or contravention of any law as a result of our failure to provide this information, or any part of it, or for any problems with this information, which could not be lawfully excluded, is limited at our option and to the maximum extent permitted by law to resupply this information or any part of it to you, or to pay for the resupply of this information or any part of it to you. Keep in mind that past performance is not a reliable indicator of current or future performance, and forecasts are inherently limited and should not be relied upon as an indicator of future performance. Today's guest speaker is not an employee or representative of Von Tobel. The views expressed in this recording are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and or policies of Von Tobel.